You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hello, everybody. Good morning, afternoon, or whatever it is, wherever you are, somewhere in the world. I hope everything's good with you, and I just wanted to give a quick shout-out to a bunch of you who are using ToneMob.com slash Reverb for all of your Reverb.com purchases. If you never heard of Reverb before, I'm a little bit surprised, but if you haven't, it's a marketplace where you can go and buy basically any piece of music gear you can think of. People are selling it on Reverb, and it's a really great experience. They have really great uh, customer support and all that jazz, and if you want to put a little bit of wind in the sales of this show, all you have to do is go to ToneMob.com Reverb, and anything you do through that link will we'll go back to support the show. We get a little tiny percentage of every purchase or sale, or even if you're you're brand new to Reverb and you you sign up, all you do got to do is sign up. That helps. That helps too. You don't even have to spend any money if you're a new user. So all you have to do is go to tonemob.com slash Reverb. That'll automatically redirect you right to the site, and you can do all of your shopping and so on and so forth. Some people have expressed interest in using this, but they generally use the Reverb app, for this? Well, a few of you have found a workaround where you can use the Reverb app, do everything, and then just do the final checkout process online using that link, and that seems to be working as well. So for anybody that was curious about that, that is one thing you can do. So again, big shout out to everyone who is using that. I really appreciate it, and it really helps out quite a bit. So thank you. I also want to talk to you about Gun Street Wiring Shop Gun Street Wiring Shop out of Bend, Oregon. Sean and the crew are doing amazing work, and the customer support is second to none. So if you've been a little bit curious about upgrading the wiring in any of your guitars, but you weren't really sure about the process or how to do it or what you might you know, need to know, that's okay. Sean and the crew over there will fix you up just fine, and you're gonna be you're going to be happy with the end result. It's a really cool thing. It breathes life into, you know, maybe guitars you're getting kind of tired of, or maybe some that got scratchy pots or messed up switches, or maybe you just want to try a whole new thing. Maybe you want a series parallel. Maybe you want some phase stuff. Who knows? If you can dream it, Gun Street Wiring Shop can do it. So just hit them up at GunStreetWiringShop.com and enjoy your new, well, old, new old axe. Yeah, that works, right? Sure. And last but certainly not least, let's not forget about our boys at Sinusoid. 
Sinusoid Pro Audio Couture up in Washington, the great state of Washington. They make instrument cables, they make patch cables, they make any kind of cable you might think you need for connecting your instruments to your amplifiers or to your helixes or whatever you happen to be using. They have a cable that will fit your needs and you can just go to their custom cable builder. You can pick out all the specs. You can pick out the TechFlex color, you can pick out the brand of cable, you can pick out the ends, you can pick out blah, 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 a whole bunch of anything you can think of. Anything you can think of that can be customized on a cable, you can customize it at the Sinusoid Custom Cable Builder. Plus, the cables have a 100-year warranty, they sound fantastic, and they've been supporting the show for a long time. So getting something you need, you're helping support a great company, they help keep the show going. It's a win-win-win for everybody. So go to Sinusoid.com and check them out. Okay. Now it's time for the episode. So I met Paul at the second Fear the Riff Expo, although I think we were both there at the first one, and uh, we missed each other somehow. But we did talk at the second one. We really hit it off. I think he makes really cool pedals, especially if you like to get gnarly. That's uh, that's kind of his specialty in a lot of ways. And uh, I think he's a really cool guy. He's got a lot of awesome insight. And without further ado, we'll get to the show. Here you go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the ToneMob.com podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have Paul Latefka from PLXFX. What's going on, man? Not much, not much. Just, you know, hanging out after work and recording a podcast. Yeah. Just totally normal, right? You do this every day. Uh, almost every day. Every Thursday, almost at every least. Day. You know. <laughs> every Thursday, doing podcast recording. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I... That could be that could be true for me. It's not every Thursday, but do you, it's actually do you kind do of willy-nilly. Like, you do them like when do you do it? I try to do them. So, so I'll have some weeks where I'll do a bunch, and then some weeks where I won't record. So it kind of mm-hmm. it kind of varies. It's a uh, it's really dependent on the guests. I I try to be you know somewhat flexible for for everybody because it's somewhat easy for me to flex my schedule around and I know it's can be it can be difficult for others to do so so I try to be try to just be as available as I can because people come on they're doing you know they're doing me a favor as much as you know as much as anything so try to make it easy yeah that's cool but but what uh what do you what do you been up to what's your what's your what's well what's your day like what's your what's the day-to-day like in the plx effects world um, I am a builder, um, unfortunately still part-time, uh, but you know, I have a nine to five, which, um, isn't directly related to music or anything. Um, I was, a I was a plumber. I went to trade school and then, um, I got out of it. So I work, uh, like nine to five in wholesale plumbing and heating. So it's technical. I've always worked with my hands and stuff ever since I was a kid. You know, I've always been the kid that took stuff apart, put it back together, tried to fix it, tried to. You know, if I broke apart and try and make it better and glue stuff back together and, um, but yeah, so I mean, typically I wake up, um, I wake up early, early in the morning, uh, before everybody else in my house is awake and I work out and, um, go to work, care, go to work and then, uh, come home and, you know, eat dinner with the fam and then, uh, 
you know, just kind of normal stuff. And I build, you know, either in the morning or at night um, when I'm home. You know, like luckily my job's a little loose, so I can, you know, like any ordering or social media stuff for for the guitar effects and whatnot. Like during the day, it's not like a, you know, it's not terribly uh, time consuming to do that kind of stuff. And um, but and then um, I play in a band too, so I do that. You know, one one day a week at least we'll have practice, or if we're playing a show on the weekend, we may practice a little more, but. Basically, that's that's really all I do is you know work out, work and build stuff, and try and play music as much as possible. I guess that's my interests. I should have uh, I should have started from a, a a little different spot and led into that one. But what got you into music in the first place, and you know what were some of your early inspirations? I, um, I just started listening to like music, obviously when I was a kid. Um. You know, my parents weren't really big with that because my parents were both immigrants. They both came over from Europe uh, in the like late 70s. And then um, so my first exposure to music, sister, and I definitely she was older. So that's, you know, older sisters or older siblings are always good for exposing you to somewhat cool music. Um, so I remember like my sister having like Def Leppard CDs and or I think probably records back. And um and then, you know, friends and friends, older brothers and stuff got me into like the heavier stuff. So I kind of transitioned from like Guns N' Roses and Metallica to I started listening to like Pantera and then Slayer and like, you know, the 90s. And then from that, it got heavier. And um, but that was, you know, I've always listened to like big guitar, you know, uh, bands like, you know, Pantera, Metallica, like those type bands, Slayer and stuff. So. Um, just you know i saw those guys and i was like man like i want to play guitar so i started i started playing probably when i was like 12 or so and um i remember i begged my parents to get me a guitar for christmas so they got me a like cheapo type you know no name guitar from i don't even know where they got it to be totally honest with you but that was my first guitar and i just started playing and just kept going and you know that's that's basically where I started at was just listening to music and wanting to play it. Right. Right. Were some of your, were some of the heavier bands? Cause like you said, your parents weren't super into the, the whole music thing. When, when you started getting into heavier music, did that freak them out a little bit or had they, Oh yeah, to take that? for sure. For sure. I definitely, I will fifth grade class picture. I have like a Pantera t-shirt on. It was the I'm broken shirt. Mm-hmm. And I def, I definitely remember getting some like weird looks and, I I used to like kind of purposely, and I still kind of do this from time to time. I'll buy shirts that are pretty offensive, you know, just kind of factor. And um, it was kind of funny because when I was younger, my mom would definitely like wash my clothes and then hide T-shirts on me and stuff. And I wouldn't realize for like a week or two, I'd be like, hey, where's that shirt, you know? And um, but yeah, it's, you know, it definitely freaked people out. But it was, you know, I definitely when you're at that age, it's always fun to kind of push people's buttons and, you know, want to get a reaction out of people. So I definitely did that as like a teenager. And, um, I did that mainly just through the music I listened to just, you know, just offensive music I could find as loudly as I could. <laughs> so. And so when you were playing in bands, did you start in high school or did you, did that come later? Uh, no, it started actually earlier than that. Um, I kind of lucked out in that I, who lived across the street from me and he uh, played drums 
And so me and him became friends. He was a year or two older than me. And uh, me and him became friends and hung out. And he had a drum set. And I was like, okay, well, I got a guitar. So then we made friends with music and stuff. And so I've been playing music with people. I mean, I don't know if I would technically call us a band or whatever, but I've been playing music with people since I was pretty much about 13. So right around middle school age. Um, and I just kind of never really stopped bit of a break from guitar like in my early 20s um just because i was doing other things like i i kind of just worked like a madman through the early part of my 20s i worked like three jobs at a time just to i kind of wanted to save up and whatnot so i kind of put music and stuff on hold for the earlier part of my 20s and then i got back into it and i started a band and i've been in the band i'm in now for um in one form or another for probably about eight years, six, six and eight years, I would say. So it's, it started early and kind of always stayed with me. It was something that I've just always done. I've always had guitars around and played maybe not in a band, but it's just always something I had laying around. And, um, you know, and, and then I got into the, um, I was a big harmony central user back in the day. Um, and I mean, it's funny cause I still meet people that I've known off those boards for, 15 years or so, you know, the back in, you know, I like, I remember being a teenager being on the Harmony Central, like the AMP forum and stuff. And I still talk to people. Coincidentally, I talked to a guy today that I met on those AMP forums back like 15 years ago, which is kind of funny. Um, and so that kind of made me go down the rabbit hole of like gear and different cars and pickups and pots and all that kind of stuff, you know, the kind of deep nerding out that. I think everybody kind of goes through at some point where you just go down this rabbit hole of, you know, different types of gear and what it does. And, you know, like, oh, you know, what kind of pots can I put on this pickup to make it sound different? And, you know, just so Harmony Central was big into that. And then, um, but yeah, I've, and that combined, combined with just always tinkering led me to, to building and fixing guitars. I was always rewiring my own pickups and soldering and you know what I mean? Um, so despite that not being, you know, my day job or, you know, like I, I definitely kind of have a little bit of a, like a, an impact because I feel like, you know, a lot of the pedal builders that I talk to and stuff, a lot of them have, you know, engineering backgrounds and stuff like that. And I am so not that I am, you know what I mean? Like I was a plumber. So it was, it was definitely different, you know, but, um, I like more so the the working with my hands and building building the stuff and you know that's that that's what I really enjoy it's it's very relaxing to me and it's a lot of fun and it gives me a lot of sense of accomplishment you know what I mean to start with a pile of up with like a working pedal that does something cool you know so yeah it is kind of interesting to just like I don't know what it is if it I mean that's my background is not exactly the same, but you know, definitely uh, came from a, I came from a mechanical type background. So there's, there's something satisfying about, uh, you know, ending up with just a, a bunch of junk or a bunch of stuff rather laying there. And then you, you get done at the end of the day and now it's an actual thing, like a functioning thing that you made. There's a, there's a large amount of satisfaction I think that comes out of that. Absolutely. And I, I feel like, not that a lot of people don't do it today, but I, you know, cause I mean, obviously there's a zillion amp and guitar and pedal builders, but, and I mean, there's, you know, people building all kinds of stuff. I mean, not really in the music world, but I feel like 
I feel that the kind of resurgence of people appreciating craft, you know, and, and, um, other people's ability to make things that are unique. Um, cool. Because, um, we live, I always feel like we live in a society that's just, you know, a throwaway society, like everybody says, like, that's a really common phrase. And I think it's really cool that people want unique stuff and they appreciate when someone can do something that, um, and then they have something that not everybody has, you know? Um, I think that's really cool and, and not even just in the music world, but in everything, you know what I mean? I always appreciate, like, I'm not, I never got into like cars. Like I'm really boring with cars. I've, I've owned three vehicles in my, I'm in my mid thirties and I've only owned three vehicles. Like I am the least car nerd person you could meet, but I think it's cool that people who, you know, are wicked into cars and can rebuild old cars and stuff like that. Like that to me, I see that just, you know, it's two sides. of the- And, um, like that's, that, that's awesome. You know what I mean? I, I, I love that people appreciate uniqueness nowadays. I feel like a little bit more that that's coming back, you know? So I think so too. I, I think that's sort of a, a pushback against the, you know, the quote unquote throwaway society that we have. It's like, you know, it's, it's especially uh, creative people and musicians. Um, we have a, a tendency to want, not want to have the same pedal board as our friend. You know, sure. there's the other guy in the band and why his pedal board might be amazing, but like, I, that's his, I don't want to have the same exact effects on mine that he has on his, maybe one or two, but sure. we don't want to have the same stuff. And, and, uh, it's all about kind of like, it's helping, you know, put together kind of a unique identity for you as a, as a musician by using these unique products from these unique, you know, builders. I, I feel like it's a, it's a, uh, it kind of speaks to our nature to some degree. I, I agree. And it, and I think it's because, you know, I think people like people that are creative want to be different and a easy way to do that, especially in the music world is to, you know, use a different type of guitar, use a weird pickup, you know, use a, a P90 use, you know what I mean? Like there's so many different little things you can do to shape, what your sound is. And, and I think that musicians are always, you know, I mean, there, there's the consummate like gear flipper type people who are just always swapping stuff. But I think that there's always like that kind of search and that quest where you're just, you're looking for something that's in your head, you know what I mean? And musicians are the same way. Like I always feel that the best, you know, musicians are the people who are playing what they want to hear, you know what I mean? And the, the best guitar builders are would like to see and the the best pedal builders are building pedals that they would want to use you know and and that that makes that that's what makes them special you know so yeah i think and there's also you know some of the, my favorite experiences with getting gear built has been you know talking to a guitar builder and just saying hey you know uh, i like this this and this other than that you go buck wild and and make something you know oh, make something awesome. rad that's so awesome. and then it, that's yeah that's great well it's 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 a it's kind of counterintuitive like when you're getting a custom guitar made you know i've done it both ways where it's like oh i picked out everything mm-hmm. the color the all the specs all the everything and then the flip side of it is doing what i just said and it's kind of it makes it a, a new experience it, it it's it really does like turn it back into christmas day because you don't know what it's going to be when it shows up and uh 
and it's like, oh man, is it going to be, you know, exactly what I, I had envisioned or, you know, or what is it, what is it going to be? And it, it, it adds a new level of excitement and there's excitement to be had in both like the fully custom spec it out and then the, you know, go hog wild approach. But it's, I found it really enjoyable just to kind of let them go and see what, see what happens. It's, it's absolutely, crazy. It's, it's, it's funny. Cause I do that in a lot of odd places in my life. Um, like it's funny when you use that phrase like hey just go buck wild because i'm the type of person that you know if somebody does something every day they have some level of expertise in it and it's like that's why i'm here to you know utilize your knowledge and experience to better myself and it's it's funny like i'll i'll go get a haircut or something and they'll you know the, the person cutting my hair will ask me like well what do you want me to do and i'm like i don't know like you do this every day like take a look at me and figure care you know what i mean like <laughs> you're, you're the one cutting hair every day so like if you know and and people always kind of give me a weird look they're like really i'm like yeah like i don't, I don't you know it's hair like i don't care you know and i i kind of feel like the the you know having a little bit of respect for other people's craft is huge you know just saying hey like do what you want to do and you know if, if it works cool like worst case scenario you know we'll, we'll, we'll move on or something you know but you know, I, I, I try and do that in a, in a, um, as much as possible, just because, you know, people have, everybody's good at something, you know, other people are good at certain things and other people are, you know, good at things that I'm not. And if I'm coming to you, uh, whether it be a guitar builder or an amp, builder, you know, I, I always try and respect the fact that, you know, something that I don't know. Um, and if you can bestow some of that on whatever you're making for me or whatever service you're doing for me, then, you know, you know, you're, you're the expert. That's I, I say that a million times a day. And, um, I, I, I like another phrase I always say to people is I always like being the dumbest guy in the room. Um, because I feel like if you're surrounded by people that are smarter than you, you, you could actually learn. Whereas, you know, if you walk into the room and, you're the smartest person in the room, you know, you're not going to learn anything. So, you know, I always like being around people that I can learn from, whether it be directly related to pedal building or, or anything musicians, you know, it, it's like see a, a, a show or whatever, and you see a guitarist and they're just ridiculously good. And you're like, man, I need to sit down and I need to practice. <laughs> you know, it's, it's that same feeling of inspiration I get when I meet someone who's me about you know pedals or something which like i said there's plenty of people that can do that so i always like talking to those people um but at the same time i always if i can tell that some you know that i may know something better or in a different way that some love sharing that too you know i always that's one cool thing about the pedal in building community in general is that i feel like most people are really quick to help people they're not you know there aren't a lot of jerks um and I, a lot of people like to give back and a lot of people like to encourage other people to, to do something or to help them with something, you know, which, um, I, I think that in the smaller businesses like ours and the smaller industries, um, like that's awesome. And even the big names do it. It was, it's really cool. Like I'm sure, you know, when you go to NAM and stuff and you meet some of these people that, you know, are insanely smart or insanely talented and you know they can talk to you about anything and they'll just say hey you know have you ever done this or hey have you ever tried that and it's it's rewarding to know that there's a lot of people that are willing to share their knowledge with other people which i think is awesome you know 
Yeah, in a way, I think that's that's part of why there are so many builders these days and not directly. There's you know, there's other factors involved, but I think the the community is very it's very magnetic Mm -hmm. so much to the to the point where I was like, I have to get involved in this industry somehow. I don't you know, something pulled me into this and uh, it's a variety of factors, but it's it's a very it's a very attractive business to be in. Not really from like a financial perspective, as we all know, that but, part's it tough, is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's very awesome. It's very it's very rewarding. And it's a uh, it like you said, for the most part, it's just nice to be nice to walk into a room and and feel like you belong there and nobody nobody's looking at you like, oh, who's this guy? You know, it's right, all like, right. hey, what's going on, man? Like, good to see you. What have you been up to? Which is, you know not not exactly common i feel like in this world i feel like in general people you know i don't know i I don't want to generalize i don't want to be like a downer or anything but you know especially like with like social love segregating themselves into groups and you know one group's yelling at another group and you know and we're we're really good at that as people you know it's like you know pats versus seahawks or whatever you want to say or you know you know but it's like I said, especially when you see it firsthand, because it's even one thing on the internet, but when you go to like a NAM or you go um, where we first met to Fear of the Riff in New York, like, and and I've only been to maybe about a half dozen or so, but every single time, it's always a lot of fun to meet people. And, you know, nine times out of 10, I remember more so the conversations I have with people and the people I met more so than like the products. Like, it's kind of funny. Like I left Nam this and I mean, I tried a handful of stuff out, but there wasn't anything that I left. And I remember more so than hanging out with, you know, like when I met you and we went to the pizza party and stuff and you know what I mean? Like it was, those things are so much cooler. The, the relationships that rather than just, you know, like, Oh, I got to try out, you know, the sick Ormsby guitar or whatever it was, you know? So I, I like that a lot. It's cool. And I feel like it definitely is like a community, you know, people are typically really willing to help each other. And I think that's awesome. And building, um, because I, I was lucky enough, um, back on the Harmony Central days, um, there was a, an effects, an effects forum. And within that, there was the doom room, which that's kind of the music I play now. Like I grew up listening to heavier, faster stuff metal and grind and stuff but um i've kind of slowed down as i've gotten older and um so i've been more so into that for the last close to a decade probably and um i lucked out and i met um this guy tj who's you know he's a carpenter he's a finished carpenter works nine to five but has made a bunch of guitars he's a really great builder and he's sets up all my guitars for me whenever i have a problem with you know frets or whatever he does all the kind of heavy duty lifting and um, I made friends with him, Central, and then he was also friends with uh, Nick uh, from Dunwich. I don't know, you know, um, Dunwich Amplification, who um, Nick is just, he's one of those people who knows more about this stuff than anybody should. You know, he's got a PhD in it. He's <laughs> like, easily, him and then John from EAE are probably the two most ridiculously knowledgeable people I've ever met when it comes to electronic stuff. Like, it's just scary. I feel so intimidated whenever I'm around, especially the two of them. It's just like, ah, it's, it's information overload, over overload. Um, but you know, Nick 
got me building because I would ask him like, Hey, can you make a pedal that'll do this, this, or this? And he'd say, yeah, he goes, you know, I'll, I'll make you a PCB in here. You build. Well, I've never made a PCB before, you know? And he's like, well, I'll show you how to do it. So, um, he would, he gave me a couple of his own PCBs. So I have, I have probably about a dozen Dunwich pedals and I've built all of them. I I think except one built for me all the other ones he would just give me the pcbs and he'd be like here this is the website where you go order parts and this is you know this is what this does and this is what that does and figure it out um and so i started building because you know he kind of pushed me into it and and for about six seven years altogether probably and um it's just you know and then he was nice enough to sit down and show me how to use eagle cat and draw my own pcbs and um, you know, whenever I get stuck with a, a layout or whatever, he's always, you know, and, um, and he, for him, the stuff that I'm doing is like, you know, comically easy, but you know, he, he doesn't like talk down to me. He's never like, oh, this, you know, if anything, he'll goad me into doing it by telling me like, you should be able to do this, like figure it out. You know what I mean? You should. And, um, and that's awesome. You know what I mean? It's, it's good to have that kind of, uh, you know, people pushing you into wanting to learn stuff and, and bettering yourself, you know? So, yeah, that's great to have that kind of support, especially, you know, especially somebody that can actually be there with you um, mm -hmm. trying to get through some of this. It's it's uh, it's a lot to it's a lot to chew on, especially, you know, when you're starting kind of from zero. It's, right. It can be it can be very intimidating. And I've you know, I've done a fair bit of research. I know just enough about electronics to be dangerous, but I still have never like actually put together a, a pedal. Uh, which is kind of weird. I feel like I would have done a kit or something at this point. Um, yeah, that's kind of funny. I, yeah, you you figure, yeah, with all the people you talk to and you're surrounded by it like all all day. So that's kind of funny. I do. I did have an opportunity once when um, when my my buddy Leon uh, Pelican no Noise Works. For those who don't know, I, I'm pretty sure everyone that listens to this knows that by this point. But I never know if there's a new listener. So I feel like I have to clarify that. Always got to assume but, there's uh, somebody new. Sure. Yeah. But um, he, he, uh, he gave me like one of the, one of the, his first Pelotar PCBs after he had it all dialed in. And he was like, do you, well, he was like, do you want me to build you one or do you want to build it? And I was like, I've never built one. I, I think I'm going to build it. So he gave me a part, like parts and a PCB and a, like a very detailed uh, instructions and everything. And because I'm me and I procrastinate like no one's business, it got to a point where he was like, are you ever going to build that? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to. I'm totally going to. I even got like a nice, uh, nice soldering iron. I was like, I'm, I'm totally going to build this and months and months and months. And he's like, you still don't have a Pelotar. I, that's it. Just get, give me that stuff back. Like, I'll just build it. For you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I still haven't built one yet. Um. But uh, I'm I'm a little bit hesitant to get. I mean, I I'll do it at some point. You know, I should just start with a simple, you know, single transistor boost or something. But I I'm a little bit hesitant because I have no depth perception, so it takes me forever to solder. I can do it, and I'm not too bad at it. But it takes me a really long time because I can't tell how far away anything is. Is that so. and, and that's like medical, like like an actual like thing, like you have a depth perception issue? That's crazy. That's yeah, gonna, well, I'm a psychologist, so. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people don't don't know that. Uh, and this might be the first time I've actually mentioned it in, uh, uh -oh. in a podcast. Actually, <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I'm a cyclops. I I had an accident in 2011, and so my right eye is mostly gone. It's oh, there, wow. but it doesn't really doesn't really work that well. So 
Wow, that's got to make it's wow, a, that's got to make everything a little bit more difficult. Wow. Hey. It it does. I can't catch very good. I can't hit bugs. That's really <laughs> really funny to watch me try to hit bugs. I can't tell how far away any of them are. It's a it's it's a it's a thing. But it's you know it was it's it's a bummer. But it's it's not uh, it's not the end of the world. You know, yeah, hey, ad- adapt and overcome, right? You know, we always got to. Exactly, exactly. But uh, yeah, so soldering, like I soldered up Leon's patch cables for a show board one time. And there was like, I don't know, like six cables or something. Maybe not even that. And it took me like all day. Like, <laughs> it's like, like, it's like, uh, oh, I missed. Oh, I missed again. <laughs> ah, I missed again. And like, meanwhile, him and Jess were like building Pelotars behind me and they built like, uh, who knows how many, how many solder joints they did. I don't know in the time that it took me to do like 12. Hmm. <laughs> so that's fine. But I'll do, I'll do it one of these days. One of these days. Do you solder up like your own guitars and stuff or you tend to, to, to do that? Like, or have somebody do it for you? Uh, I've only upgraded the harness in one of my guitars. It was my old Les Paul special and, uh, I installed a, a gun street harness in it and that's about the extent of my guitar modification. Oh, okay. uh, I have, I really only do do that kind of stuff out of necessity. Like I, if, if I get a guitar, like if I'm, if I'm at a shop, for instance, and I pick up a guitar and there's something I don't like about it. Like I'm not going to buy it or I'm going to have the shop fix it. <laughs> so oh, gotcha. So even like pickups and stuff like, uh, like pretty much. No. Well, everything I have, I, uh, yeah, I have, it's, everything I have has the stock pickups in it. Oh, wow. so it's, it's a, uh, you know, and that might mean, you know, they're not necessarily stock stock. Like I, I have things with custom pickups in it, but I ordered them that way. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I've, I've never really, I, I'm a weirdo. Like if I don't like the sound of a guitar, I'm, I don't buy it. So I'm, I, I must like the pickups that are in everything I have. That's so funny. Cause I, I, cannot i think the only guitars i have that have still have or have ever really kept the stock pickups are the the balagares that i have because those pickups just work with the guitars really well but i was a huge um bill lawrence fan i have to have probably about a dozen l500 xls and um from bill lawrence up uh out in california the wild bill lawrence that bill lawrence because i know there's some ambiguity there with the two different companies or whatever the bill lawrence usa versus the the wild bill lawrence. but um oh you're gonna have to clue me in on that i don't know anything about that oh so the, so those are the famous pickups that Dimebag bag used the rail style pickups and yeah yeah i guess i i don't even remember this whole story but i've read it like a zillion times it's like a big point of contention where there was one company named Bill Lawrence, and then there was one company named Bill Lawrence USA or BLUSA, and they both made the L500 XL rail style pickups. And apparently, the old WILDE Bill Lawrence stuff was the guy who originally like created it and designed it, I guess. And then he left the the other company, so the guy, the other company, kept the design but had them manufactured elsewhere. I don't. Or, well, it must have been U.S. I don't know. I guess they were U.S. made. Um, so then Wild Bill, um, it was a small shop with like him, his wife, and his daughters where um, they just continued on. And then eventually they changed the name to Wild, W-I-L-D-E, to kind of differentiate. Basically, there was two Bill Lawrences for, I think, 
at least a decade or two. And everybody would kind of argue like which ones were better and blah, blah, blah. And, and then the Dimebucker came out, which was just basically one of these pickups, but like the Seymour version. Um, and it was, it was like a whole big debacle and people would get into arguments about which ones were better and yada, yada, yada. And I, for some reason, always just gravitated towards the wild Bill um, Lawrence, which uh, he died, I think it was two years ago or three years ago. What was cool about his pickups is they were like 60 bucks a pop. You could call him um, and you'd literally talk to him or his wife, Becky, who she's still alive. And you would order whatever pickups you wanted with whatever, um, you know, they made probably about a half dozen different styles, I think, or maybe between five and 10 different style pickups. But the L500 is kind of what they were known for. And um, you'd talk to them, you'd tell them like, you know, what color covers you wanted, what, you know, if you wanted it potted or not. And and they would hand wind them there. And then it have them in like two or three weeks and it was pretty cool you know to get hand wound pickups for that cheap and i always had really good, crazy yeah i always had really good luck with them and um when he died a couple of years ago i kind of started um when i would sell off guitars that i had I would always pull them and put in other pickups because a lot of the older ones that i had were actually signed by him he would sign the back of them which was kind of cool and the fact that the guy is gone now is kind of neat you know what i mean so i have a pile of them sitting in like a bag of you know, whenever I would sell it, um, I would yank them out of there and put, you know, whatever I could trade or whatever I'd get, you know, just lying around. And I would throw those back in and then keep the, the Bill Lawrence's because, like I said, the guy's not here anymore. But um, his daughters are still winding pickups like you can um, you can still order them. And from that, um, Becky would usually take the orders, his wife, and then his daughters would still come in on weekends and wind whatever pickup orders they got over the week. And um, they still hand wind them and then ship them out to you. You know what I mean? Um, so those those were cool. I used to put those in everything, and then I uh, I ended up um, I first got introduced to Balaguer guitars um, probably about four years ago or so, um, and that was actually through one of Harmony Central's like word forums. You know, after Harmony Central kind of bit bit the bullet. I don't even know, maybe about five, six years ago, um, the whole amp forum kind of splintered off into a couple different forums. And the one that I was on, um, Joe ended up on there and a custom build just for the forum where he let us design a body, design a headstock. And then we all voted on which ones we liked the best. And then he came up, you know, with a, a list of hardware options and wood options and stuff. And everybody voted, and we ended up with our own custom Balaguer. And it's called the SD, which is short for Scum Den, because uh, that's kind of what we refer to ourselves as, because we all kind of have, you know, dirty senses of humor and stuff. So we, we refer to ourselves as the um, And uh, I bought one of those, and I made friends with Joe, and I've been playing Balaguer's ever since. Um, I've sold off a lot of my guitars, and I have three Balaguer guitars right now fourth one on order that's uh hopefully being made as we speak um and so and his pickups are great they're custom wound to his specs and stuff and they're really really good pickups and um I know you got to try them at Fear the Riff um so uh but yeah I've I've always just messed around with like guitars and pickups and just customizing stuff to you know a silly degree but with that stuff honestly it's it's kind of nice i can kind of just order a guitar from joe and it usually sounds pretty much exactly where it needs to be it's nice 
Um, so that's one thing I haven't done is built a guitar yet. I don't have the patience for that. And I am not nearly as detail oriented, I think, to build a guitar, but maybe I'll try one day. Yeah, I think I think Joe makes really nice guitars. I I had seen him around for a while. And then, yeah, Fear the Rift there was the first time I got to got to actually try them. And I was like thoroughly impressed with with all of them, including <clears throat> yours, which was that baritone, right? Yeah, that's, that, that's that my semi custom. Yeah, my semi custom. It's a it's this Hyperion body shape, which um, is kind of like an Explorer slash RD uh, Gibson shape. Um, it's kind of, and, um, yeah, so I did a semi custom 28 and a half inch baritone. Um, that I tuned B to B to B and, um, it's like Spalton maple and just a wicked gnarly guitar. definitely that catches your eye. And, um, it's just, it's basically the exact, and, you know, you go through the website and you kind of build whatever you want and, you know, um, and just, but I mean, all the Balagares are just, they're really good. And Joe has a really, really healthy following and for good reason. I mean, he's just a really stand up guy. He really receptive to what people want. And, um, and he's just, he's a good dude, you know, and, um, something, something that I, we say at my day job a lot is, you know, people buy from people, you know, um, you buy products. Yeah. You know, if if you want a Kiesel or whatever it might be, you know, you're buying the name, but you're also buying, you know, the person in a way, you know, and I kind of feel like that with my pedals too, is that, you know, people buy from people. And if someone's a jerk, you know, they're. I, I wouldn't want to deal with them. You know what I mean? Um, and I feel that when you meet somebody that runs a company in a way that you really respect and you feel like they show the qualities that you, you know, would for, or you respect, you know, then you're going to be a lot more apt to, to want to do business with them. And that's kind of the way I try and conduct myself. And, you know, and, and Joe is definitely that he, he's a very nice guy, wicked stand up guy. And I got to say, that's what we say wicked all the time. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> he's, you know, just, he's a sweetheart of a guy, really nice dude and, um, makes great instruments. And he just, you know, I can't, I can't say a bad thing about him. He's just very, very nice dude. He has a bunch of my pedals and he digs them. Um, and yeah, I mean, and his guitars are top notch. Like I can't, I can't say anything bad about Joe. So, um, which, which ones out of curiosity, other than the baritone, did, uh, did anything else really catch your eye? I know that you, you have a very eclectic guitar style, like a lot of different things, which is cool. I, I do. I don't know which of the Balagares are, are my favorite. Um, it's so hard for me to decide. Uh, my good friend, Jess, uh, he, he brought one, he brought, not brought a guitar, but he, he designed one on the, on the builder, Mm -hmm. this purple one. And I can't remember what body shape he used, but I just fell absolutely in love with it. Purple um, seems like a favorite color of a lot of people lately. I feel like I see purple guitars everywhere. That's funny. Well, which is weird because Jess does not like purple. Okay. He made this one and, and selected purple and it was like, ooh, that just looks too good. Like It, it just spoke like with that, that guitar. One need, yeah, it needed to be purple. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Um. But yeah, my 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 tastes are a little bit a little bit all over the place, you know. I um I like I like heavy music. I like super not heavy music. Mm-hmm. Uh and I like I like, you know, I I could totally see myself with like a pointy guitar. 
if if only there was pointy guitars made with fatter necks they all seem to have these really slim necks which isn't really my style yeah that doesn't work um, for me either i had i've owned quite a few like jacksons and stuff when i was more into like my death metal day thin like d-shaped necks just don't work with my hands yeah unfortunately yeah i don't know i don't know what what that is or or why especially me it doesn't make any sense and i've mentioned this before my hands are not that big i have like big palms mm-hmm. and uh and like short little fingers mm-hmm. so i shouldn't like big necks i wouldn't think with short little fingers but for some reason i i do i like i like them to be pretty fat that's funny because um, i'm i'm almost the exact same way like not huge but i hate small necks like it just i like i've played have you ever played like an aluminum neck guitar you know like uh like an ecg or something like that just recently i just recently played one for the first time it was uh here at a shop in town what'd you think how did that work for you i've only played a bass that's the thing i've never played a guitar neck like that but okay i played one of the old kramer um necks at fear i think it was the first fear of the riff and i was so perturbed by it it just felt like wrong it just didn't you know what i mean and I mean, given I only played it for a couple of minutes, but it's it was just weird to have that small a neck. You know what I mean? It, it was strange. Yeah, I uh, the this EGC one I just played was not small. Oh, it okay. was about right. Yeah, and I thought it felt I thought it felt ama- amazing. It was kind of weird because it was cold. Right, right, I'm right. totally not used to that. <laughs> but but as far as the overall feel and sound of that guitar was, I was blown away. Like I I I've heard nothing but good things about the EGC guitar electrical guitar company for those who are wondering. Yeah. Um I've heard nothing but good things. Everyone who's ever had one has raved about it. I've just never got a chance to play one and yeah, that got fixed the other day and I was like, "Oh, I get it. I 100% get it. This is awesome." Was- so was it a full aluminum body too, or was it just an aluminum neck? It was. Oh, that's yeah, it wild. Was full, everything was aluminum. It yeah. was crazy, and it sent the pickup sounded awesome. I mean, it was. I was like, I'm on board. I get it. I totally get it now. I got to remedy that. I got to um, try one of those. Like I said, the only aluminum neck guitars I've ever played was an old one of those like '80s uh, Kramer basses. Like, like Kramer went through a phase in the '80s where they did the aluminum neck, and that's the only one that I've yes. ever tried. And it was just so odd to me. And I'm not a bass player, too. Like, I, I have I have a bass, like, you know, fool around on here and there. But I'm definitely not a bass player. But, yeah, it just felt so strange that I couldn't wrap my head around it. But how how was that resonator? You picked up, like, a resonator recently, too, I saw, right? Well, yeah, just uh, just yesterday. It was, uh, yeah, that's a, I mean, I'm still blown away by that thing. It's, uh, it was a, it was a gift from a, from somebody. And, uh. And so that made it all the more jaw dropping, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But it um, it it it's a it's a mule resonator guitar made by Matt Ike. Uh, he's been on the podcast before. Really, really cool dude. Interesting guy. Um, but what shocked me the most about that guitar is plugging it in. Like I knew it was going to I knew what it was going to sound like, you know, unplugged. Mm-hmm. And it sounds great. But plugging it in, it has kind of blown my mind. It's uh, it's. It, the the sound is unlike anything I've ever heard before, and I'm sure that's a combination of you know the pickup directly picking up the strings plus the way the body you know resonates uh, obviously, mm-hmm. and it 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 just it sounds very like each note really is piano like hmm. it's like very very full and and very rich and I've I've never heard an electric guitar that sound like that before, 
and I'm I'm just like I'm kind of obsessed with it. It's also it's a it's interesting because uh, it's got acoustic strings on it. So you know those are they the, they've raised Foster. the magnets. Yeah, exactly. So they've they've raised the magnets up on the the wrap strings, you know, pretty far, and then sunk the the ones on the plain strings because the magnetic to make the magnets, you know, or the output more equal across the mm-hmm. across the range. And uh, I don't know, like it, I feel like it's a combination of all these things, and it's like, wow, I have never ever heard it sounds like this before ever. The only bummer deal is, yeah, you know, obviously. With, with something like that, there's a ton of feedback. So you have to kind of position yourself very carefully to really, to really get to hear what the guitar is doing. But it is, it is just beautiful. I'm, I'm they're a lot like banjos know. in that they're really heavy, aren't they? I'm, I'm a this little heavy, but it's not, it's not too bad. I oh, didn't okay. weigh it, but it's, it's not, it's not unwieldy. It's, oh. it's fairly, it's, it's not bad. It's kind of, but funny it's definitely heavier than a regular acoustic or something. I've been playing guitar for so long and I feel so sheltered in certain things and like that. And that I've never, I've, I don't think I've ever played like a resonator. I don't, you know, I don't, I'm, and we were talking about like the ECG thing. I've, I don't think I've ever really played, you know, anything normal style guitars. You know, I don't think I've ever played an eight string. I've, I've played a seven string here and there. I'm very, I'm one of those people that it's weird. I, I find something I like and I tend to kind of stick with it. I'm a little bit, you know, old manish in that, that I kind of get stuck in these like ruts, but something and it works. Like, like I was telling you with the, with the L 500 pickups, you know, I found those, I really liked them. So I started putting them in all my guitars. So I kind of knew what to expect. Um, and, and it's funny. Cause like sometimes even like picking up like a resonator like that, like I wouldn't even know what to play. You know what I mean? Like, I can't really play a Slayer riff on here. This is going to mess. Probably not going to work. You know, <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's weird. I, I always feel like I, with those type of instruments, I always appreciate them a lot more when it's someone playing them who knows how to play steel or, or something like, or like a slide, a guitar that's set up for slide with like wicked high action and like an open tuning, you know, like I, it's, I always appreciate them a lot more when they're in someone else's hands, I guess, for some reason. So, I tend to stay away from them because I'm kind of scared, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I'm definitely not playing this thing how, you know, most of the time you see guys playing a resonator or something, they're playing lots of finger style or lots of slide or something. And while it does definitely work for that, you know, I'm, I'm, I kind of found myself playing it more like a, like a regular acoustic guitar. Mm. Um, just kind of kind of strumming and I, I feel like it's going to bring me back to where I should be, which is, you know, less a little bit less sonic exploration and a little more songwriting, which mm. is I've been in sonic exploration mode for years. And it's it's nice to I actually sat down and was like relearning old songs last night with the guitar, which I hadn't done in in a long time. I've, I've been just trying to like plug in a bunch of pedals and and drown it in the ambient wash of craziness for so long. And now I'm just like. I think I need to learn some songs again. Like I, I play guitar, but do I, I don't even know how, if I know any songs anymore, like this is kind of ridiculous. So it's, uh, it's kind of setting me, setting me back on a little bit simpler path. I think it's always cool. Or I, I guess like any kind of a piece of gear can inspire you to do something a little bit out of your comfort zone. Like that's, that's one of my big issues because I fall into being comfortable with like gear in terms of like an amp and a setup and a guitar and a pedal board. Yeah. I end up, same things all the time and um especially with like a band because you're always just practicing whatever you know i mean we're an original band 
and you know you fall into these really comfortable situations and then it's funny when you pick up something like that and it makes you play something that's totally different and out play and it's that can be a lot of fun sometimes you know so it's, it's always good to draw inspiration in in gear you know i think the 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 whole idea too of oh well you know people who just buy tons of pedals and stuff like you know they don't really know how to play but you know it might be the case for some people but you know they're just playing differently you know and if, if you pick up a pedal and it makes you write like a weird riff or something or write something out of the style that you normally do then how is that not you know you're still being creative i guess like when gear can make it can feed creativity you know that's always pretty cool so i think that's the the best thing about it like i think that's that's the whole point of it for me and and you you mentioned you know all the the weird kind of weird collection i have and i think this is where you and i are a little bit different is once i once i have a guitar that does you know one particular sound, you know, pretty well. I kind of want, okay, that's my guitar for that. Now I need something that does something way different. Mm -hmm. Um, that's kind of how, how I've approached it. You know, I, I do have a couple less Pauls, so there's, there's a little bit of, of crossover there, Mm -hmm. but you know, I got to a point where it was like, I need a, a regular Telecaster and you know, then I need, uh, you know, a a resonator apparently (laughs) like I want something (laughs) that's, that's, you know, totally different. Mm-hmm. uh from what i have and that's kind of kind of where i go with guitars now i i i don't see anything wrong with having multiples of the same but i i tend to like i tend to like having a different tool for the job kind of like a, just a different hammer for different situations yeah type of situ- type of thing no that makes sense but, yeah um, like that and it's funny because i feel because of the way that i've gotten used to the gear that i play with it's kind of funny in that i feel like no matter what i plug into i always sound go to a friend's house and plug you know their squire strat or something into like a pv bandit and i swear it sounds just like my setup at home maybe just not as loud and i'm always playing like the same i i feel like as much as gear you know obviously running amplifiers different guitars and stuff people are going to sound different but i always feel like at least me nine times out of ten if i pick up and start playing i always sound the same to myself and i don't know if that's just me being me or whatever you know what i mean like when you listen to yourself back on recordings or think that you sound weird like i always feel like no matter what guitar i'm playing or amp or whatever i always feel like i can tell that it's me playing and i'm always like oh man like i'd rather hear someone else play it and that happens a lot (laughs) that always happens with my pedals like people will pick up my pedals and play stuff and you know i test all my pedals through kind of the same rig and in the same way so i kind of know if something's off i know i can kind of immediately spot it but i'll give them to somebody and then they'll take them home and set them up on their setup and it's night and day like completely different and i always love hearing when people can do stuff that i know i can't do with my setup or my playing ability and i can hear them playing something that just is totally different than what i would do with that particular pedal like that's always fun you know that that's that's really we're doing stuff that once again that i know i can't do you know I, i like that a lot yeah yeah i hear that for sure well, before we go like too far off into just randomness uh, <laughs> and the show's over, which we, I mean, that's what the podcasts are for, I suppose. But um, we haven't even really talked about your pedals that much. Oh, that's and true. I think we should probably fix that because I have your, uh, I, I think I'm pronouncing it right, the Spiritus. Yeah. Right? Yep. The Spiritus is, um, was kind of one of the first. I love that thing. That's awesome. No, it's pedals. So that um, is based off of, like I said, I grew up playing kind of heavier music. Um, 
in the late nineties, like early two thousands. Um, and I came across, um, the Ampeg VH 140 C or played one. Um, it's a solid state, older Ampeg amp that hasn't been made in, uh, probably about 15, 20 years. I think they stopped making them. I think they stopped making them in the late nineties. And, um, it was hands down my favorite amplifier. Um, a lot of Florida death metal bands used them, um, suffocation, dying fetus, like those type bands. Um, it's got like a really heavy mid scooped sound. Um, it's kind of like obituary in a box, I guess. And, um, I, and it's funny because they're not super rare, but they're not all that common either. I feel like there's even a lot of like kind of death metal bands who like that sound, but maybe don't even know that that's the amp behind a lot of those tones. And, um, so after, for a few years and building a lot of clones and you know doing like vero board building and stuff um i sat down with nick and i was like you know i really want to build the preamp of the ampeg as a pedal because a lot of people like this amp like i love this they're not that common anymore and the ones that you do find you know as with anything that's 30 20 30 years old you know a lot of them have issues like the even the one that i have now um which i will never ever sell like i love that amp um it has like volume issues the pot dirty and um i wouldn't be surprised if some of the mosfets are probably failing in there um because the volume kind of tends to jump up and down once it's been on for like a long time um so i sat down with nick and over the span of about um we went through and you know we sat down drew up an initial schematic and then made pcbs of that i don't really do the whole breadboarding thing um that's something a lot of pedal builders do that i i nick doesn't do because i've taken a lot of my cues from him um what what i tend to do and what nick's you know has kind of showed me is pcb manufacturing is so inexpensive now that we kind of tend to just prototype directly to pcb um so we'll schematic i'll have nick check it over or if it's something really simple you know i won't even bother to have him check it and um I'll send it away and get a PCB, you know, for a few bucks, you know, in a matter of a week, you know, and I'll take it, I'll build it. And unless any, you know, parts that might be a little bit more sensitive or a little bit more expensive, um, you know, I'll just build one and see what happens. And if there's issues, you know, you kind of start to tackle them and you start to figure it out and then just make another one, you know, and just keep. So the spirit just took about a year of that before it got to the point um that it is now um and it went through quite a few revisions like at first it had a lot of as with any high gain preamp type pedal um of you know squeal at first that the gain you know as soon as you turn the gain and the volume up too high it would just you know oscillate um so we had to get rid of that so but you know after about a year or so it got dialed into the point where i was really happy with it and um got a ton of volume on tap which is great so you can i a lot of people and me me specifically like you could just plug it right into the the power any power amp you know a power amp of an amplifier or just like a standalone power amp and it'll function basically as a preamp it has a ton um and so i've actually made like rack mount versions of it for people who have asked um in the past who wanted to make like kind of fly rigs that would just fit in a rack and um it's just basically the preamp of the Ampeg VH140C, which to me, the death metal, heavy metal tone 
that I always really, really liked. And, you know, so I, that was kind of my first flagship pedal. Um, and it was my first somewhat original design. Other people that have done it. Um, and coincidentally, if I feel like all of them came out at like the same time, it was kind of funny. Um, there's a guy who, there's a guy out of New Jersey named, uh, S and K Scott who, um, Oh, he's awesome. Oh yeah. Scott, Scott's great dude. And so Scott came up basically with the same idea, like around the same time as me, it was kind of coincidental. I, I remember getting an email or like a Instagram message from him. Like, hey, if you dig the Ampeg VH140, see, I'm making a pedal version of it. And I was like, dude, so am I. That's crazy, you know? <laughs> it was, like, very serendipitous. It was pretty funny. So around the same time, we had the uh, we had the same idea. And then I know there's, like, um, Amp Tweaker um, came out with one called the Type Metal, which is based on the same thing, based on the Ampeg VH140C. So there's... there's Oh, I didn't know that's what that was. Yep, Interesting. Yep, yep. Um, and that dude, that's another guy who's, like a genius. I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but he, I'm pretty sure that the dude from Amp Tweaker is the same guy who like invented the, uh, the 5150. If I don't, if, if I'm not remember, misremember. Um, I'm pretty sure you're right about that. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I can't remember the guy's name. I'm spacing on his name, but, um, I met him at, at NAM one year. He was a really nice guy and he's just, you know, obviously the wicked, wicked smart dude. And, um, so we came out, out with that and then um there's a couple other pedals um that i kind of found that just from pedals i would build and people would ask me to build um you know because i i kind of started off by building clones for people that's kind of people would say hey can you build me this that or the other and um so i would usually just grab a pcb from one of the many you know pcb clone makers and i would build stuff for people and um, one that really stuck with me too was uh, I built like a modded range master that became um, the Bion boost with that. I still sell. And um, that is just a cool like Swiss army pedal with that. You can kind of throw in front of anything and it will sound good. It's um, it's a range master, but it also has um, a gain and it also has uh, like a sweep feature where you can kind of cut some of the lows out. So instead of just being a straight treble booster, um, you can dial back in some of the bass tones. So what the what the tone knob does is as you swing it after counterclockwise, it starts adding in more and more of the frequency range um, that's being boosted. So it's really cool to dial out. Like if you have an amp that's like a little woofy with like one particular guitar, you can kind of use that to dial out, you know, that frequencies that might be like woofy or you know too bass heavy or or whatever have you and it's a great it's kind of one of those like great always on pedals that just tightens up the sound and kind of whatever amp you throw it in front of it basically just tightens everything up and makes everything sound a little bit easier to play it's just it's a great all-around boost um and uh so that those two were kind of like my first pedals that i started making uh in mass you know which you know my mass is still not that of a lot of people but um i kind of just build at my own pace like i don't i don't believe in the whole like oh pre-order you know like that kind of mentality that's not really where i'm at um i don't i don't like owing people stuff so i'd rather have somebody ask me for a and i can ship tomorrow so i build you know in batches of five or ten and i kind of just do a revolving thing so i always have some of everything in stock um you know, and, and, and it's not to dog on that because people obviously, you know, there's quite a few builders that do that, you know, um, 
it's just, it kind of relieves some of the pressure. And since I'm not doing this full time, um, I feel that it just, it's a much more sane way of me to, to do it. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Um, yeah. I mean, so I just, I just, (laughs) yeah, I just, you know, I just build, you know, like I said, I always just build to always keep stuff in stock. And then, um, so those two pedals were the first two. And then, uh, I'm a big muff fan. Like I love, uh, it's muff, it's muff pie day today. Um, it is, it is. That's, that's funny. Um, so that, that led to me, I, you know, I had to make like a muff, which, um, for the first time officially, I'm, I, I guess I can announce that I'm reworking my muff design. Because after coming out with a, a few other pedals, um, I felt like my muff design was kind of lacking. And um, so I had, you know, I had, uh, I call it the fum fuzz, which I kind of just took muff and spelled it backwards. I'm not really that creative. So I the fum fuzz, <laughs> um, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's basically just a violet rams head muff that I added a mid control and did a couple other few tweaks to and stuff. But um, recently what I did is, like I said, when I kind of stacked it up against my other pedals, it was really and it wasn't as loud. And um, I kind of just felt like it wasn't up to snuff with my other pedals. And because it was one of my earlier designs and now I'm a lot, you know, I'm a bit more experienced and have more ideas. I decided to, um, just weeks ago, I kind of sat down and reworked it and bounced some ideas off of Nick and said, hey, like, I want to take this and I just want to make it a ton louder and um stuff like that so we kind of worked out the the best way to do that and so i have the prototype pcbs um waiting to be populated so i'm going to have a new version of the fun fuzz coming out um hopefully in the next you know few months um like i said it's kind of just the first version of the new iteration so i'll see how it goes and work on it from there and um i also worked with um because I'm, I play in a band and stuff. So I meet a lot of musicians and it's a great way to network and meet other gear nerds, you know, cause most musicians there's, there's always the, the few that aren't big gear nerds, but I feel like the vast, vast better musicians aren't just the type that, you know, have no idea what they're playing and like, Oh, what kind of amp is that? Like, Oh, I don't know. Like what kind of tubes are in there? Oh, I don't know. You know, like I, I always feel like the vast majority of musicians are, are gear nerds. So, um, I made friends with a guy, band locally and he they're in a pretty well-known band like nationally touring and stuff uh called black pyramid and um i got to talking to him and i ended up making a pedal with him uh which became the illumination pedal um a distortion overdrive and um it sounded really good and it did what he wanted which was awesome so andy from black pyramid uses that pedal and then I tried it on bass and it just sounded wicked gnarly. Um, and I loved it. Like, let me take this and make a bass version of it, you know? So I took my illumination design and added a, a clean blend and I added a tone control. Um, cause with bass, that's a lot more important. I feel like that became the illumination B plus, which is effectively the same distortion circuit. I just added a clean blend onto the front of it. Um, and, and then a tone control at the end to kind of just finish shaping the sound. And um, that led to a lot of bass players. And I feel like bass players are wickedly underrepresented with pedals. Um, I feel like a lot of bass players end up using guitar pedals and stuff. And it's funny because there's a ton. I feel like more bass 
nerds than guitarists, if that makes sense. I don't know if that's been your experience. Have you? What's your opinion on that? Not not bass players that I have played with, but I have noticed that bass players on the whole, they tend to be a little more experimental with their gear choices, and, or and this could just be me blatant like blatantly rep- misrepresenting bass players because I'm not one, mm-hmm. but. Outside looking in, I see a lot more acceptance of like running direct in or running, uh, you know, small like class D style power amps and yep. and you know, experimenting with like, you know, weirdo like headless bases. And and, you know, it's always the basis that have like the 17 string bass. You know, it's like they, <laughs> they, they seem to be way more down to try weird stuff than the large swath of guitar players are like, I play a Gibson and I plug it into a Marshall. Right. That's what I do. Yeah. No, um, the bass industry is like huge too. Like it's funny at Nam. I feel like where, where we were, we're right next to, um, a bass amplifier company called Ike. And just next door to that was like, um, the dark glass booth, which the dark glass stuff is awesome. Like everything that they do is cool from the amps to their pedals are just ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I, I felt like bass stuff, people were looking for a bass, you know, like bass overdrives and stuff. I feel like they there aren't enough of them. So, um, and after trying the illumination on the bass, I decided to do that. So then after making, um, uh, after redesigning the Fum Fuzz, I said, you know, I should probably do the same thing with bass uh, for a bass because um, the bass player in my band, I actually made him a custom pedal probably about four or five years ago um, where I took my thumb fuzz and then I added it onto the end of it. And I mean, it sounds good. Um, but I was never like thoroughly happy with the way that the distortion and the clean tone evened out. I always felt like one was always kind of way too loud and then you would turn the other one up and then it would kind of lose the definition. Um, it was really, it was really hard to like take two different circuits and blend them like kind of after the fact. Um, so after doing the illumination B plus, I basically took my fum fuzz and inserted that into the distortion side of that same circuit with the same clean back. And, um, and that's the other thing that I'm working on that's, you know, um, new, so that'll be fun. I'm going to experiment with that and hopefully have like a cool base fuzz. Um, in addition to the, the illumination, which is definitely more a distortion, not really a fuzz, um, so that's something else that I'm working on, which is a lot of fun. And then um, the other pedal that I have that's a lot of a lot of guys dig is the um, the Drugen, which um, that's a nod to Clockwork Orange because I'm a huge like old movie. So the Drugen was basically I had a pedal that Nick had designed as like a custom one off for somebody, and um, I built one because he just gave me the PCB and was like, "Here, if you want to build this, like have at it." And I just, I loved that pedal and sell it as a mass production unit. I think he's only probably built like two or three of them. And I was like, dude, I got to do something with this. So we took that design and I tweaked it to my liking and stuff. And what it's based off of is, uh, is an OR120, um, orange, which is just all the doom heads. Okay. You know what I mean? So, um, not a lot of gain. That's, that's a common misconception with the old school oranges is that people think that they're these like big woolly fuzzy gain monsters and they're really not. Um, no, no, they're not. They're, they're break up, you know, they get woolly and stuff, but you got to be really, really loud and you got to have something in the front of it to, to really cook it. Um, so it's, it's, it's a J fed emulation pedal, which, um, I use J two O ones, which unfortunately aren't made anymore. So I, 
cash of them and I always kind of keep my eye out for them. And, um, what the pedal does is, um, I have a voltage tripler in there, so it's actually running 36 volts internally, um, off of a regular nine volt supply. And then, um, JFETs emulate the preamp tubes and, uh, without getting too geeky nerdy, it's basically just meant to be like a preamp in a pedal. And it's just, you throw it in front of like a semi clean, you know, um, semi clean amp and mixed with the amps distortion. It just sounds, you know, it's great for doom and it works really good on bass. Um, my buddy Aaron, who plays in uh, Earthride in a Connecticut band uh, called When the Deadbolt Breaks, he uses it on bass and guitar. Um, and uh, I've made quite a few friends with bass players that also dig it on bass a lot. So it's it's kind of just a clean, cleanish OD, um, but it just has so much low end that you can either dial in or get rid of, you know, depending on how farty you want it to be. Um, so that, that the Drugan is, that's actually what I use with my band live. Like I just, that, that pedal is just awesome. It's just a cool pedal that you can kind of throw in front of almost any amp and it'll sound pretty good. Um, so, and then I'm also working on a delay. That's my next thing is my first foray out of overdrive and distortion. Um, so that's kind of a big leap I feel like. And that's kind of, some people are, um, I always kind of envy the guys that, are really good at that. Like, um, I just, you, you did the, the Mr. Black interview and I feel like that was super, um, I feel like that was, you know, his forte is all the mod. I really envy the guys that are good at the digital stuff. Cause my realm is strictly like analog right now or relatively analog. Um, and the guys that have their head wrapped around that, you know, like that, that's awesome. And that's kind of the next thing that I'm going to, kind of moving more towards reverbs and delays i want to get into that and start making some weird stuff um so i want to get weird that's that's the next step get weird so then getting weird is always the next step (laughs) as far as i'm concerned doesn't matter what we're doing you know it's like frank reynolds said you know i don't know how many years on this earth i got left i'm gonna get real weird with it it's there's it's all about there's a very famous hunter s thompson you know what i mean uh quote very similar um so, I'm a, I have Hunter S. Thompson on the brain because I just listened to a podcast with a guy who wrote a book about um, like the ten years of his life uh, after like the DNC and stuff, and after Hell's Angels. So yeah, I have like Hunter S. Thompson fresh on the brain. But so similar idea, you know, it's that's being normal all the time. You got to get weird, you know. That's right. That's right. Well, we've been uh, we've been at this just a touch over an hour, and I I still haven't gotten to the most important, the meat and potatoes of what you know what the folks really want to know. So, I know you're I know you're ready for this, but let's let's hope we let's hope we get the right answer. Paul, what kind of pizza do you like? I love Italian style new pizza, and um that we I live in the Mecca like you got to come visit dude because New Haven style pizza is roundly regarded as the best pizza in the US and luckily I am about 20 minutes so um I just like a thin crust you know kind of burnt on the bottom it, it doesn't really matter the toppings honestly it can be just straight cheese um is is perfect by me um I'm I kind of have turned my back on it 
years. And, uh, you know, I'm almost embarrassed to say um, that typically now uh, most pizza I eat is unfortunately cauliflower crust because I um, I used to be heavier when I was younger and um, I've been eating kind of in a way for the last few years. So typically now I make cauliflower crust pizza, but um, it's always got to be thin and it's got to be Italian style. I don't, I don't dig the, the Greek style fatter stuff, the, the deep dish stuff from the middle of the country. That's not even pizza. Um, as far as I'm concerned, we're very, we're very nose up in the air here in new England and especially here in Connecticut about pizza. So it's gotta be thin. It's gotta be, have cheese and sauce. And there you go. You know, you got peppies, you got mod and visit man, you know, um, I do. I don't know. You know, New Haven is a style that I'm not I'm not intimately familiar with. Although I feel like I I may have had some restaurants that were trying to do that style. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, or the the my favorite local place is is kind of an Italian wood fired. Well, not kind of. That's what they are doing. Yep. Uh, and I I feel like that's kind of the style. It's it's going for it. And uh, I I gotta say it's quite it's quite amazing. I do have a soft spot for for New York. Obviously, I love the New York style pizza. That's kind of that's kind of what really... New Haven style would be, I guess, because that's it, it. It originated down here. If you're ever bored and you want to like, you know, really nerd out on your pizza history, read about Frank Pepe because he's typically referred to as the first in the U.S. was Frank Pepe Pizza in New Haven, and um, oh, and oh yeah, oh yeah, man, it's it's OG around here, OG pizza around here only. And, um, but that, that style, that thin crust style of like the typical New York style, it started in, you know, trickled down, down 95 towards, towards New York. And, but it started here. I think it was in the, I want to say it was 1910s or maybe twenties, um, when Frank Pepe started. So that's all originated here, man. And, and even within that you have, um, there's three. There's three pizzas in New Haven that typically people uh, kind of fight over as to what's the real deal. And it's Pepe's, Modern, and Sally's. Those are the three places. And, I mean, there's legit, like, documentaries about all three of them. And they're all really good. And I live in a I live in Middletown, which is a very heavily Italian-American um, city. And there are no bad pizza places in Middletown. Like, if you open up a crap pizza town like you will not be in business long so luckily um there's awesome pizza places everything from the uber fancy you know fig and bacon pizzas to just you know there's a place iliano's around the you know you walk in there and yeah you know just give me a cheese pizza you know and um but they're they're all really good and um yeah i've just like i said i could just get a large cheese and eat that to the face and i'm good so mm, man, that sounds so good right now. So so good. Yum. Definitely cannot go wrong. I am gonna have to come visit. That's just that just has to happen. It just has to. I'm telling you, man. Next time, uh, next time you are, if you do come to Fear of the Riff or something, definitely up to Connecticut. Like I said, if only to New Haven just to eat the pizza because Pepe's is one of those places that there's a line. They open up at 11:30 every morning, and there is a line around the corner by 11. You know. Um, like you have to fight to get in there sometimes. And they've opened up a few other the original ones in New Haven and they've opened up a few more in the state just recently in the last few years, which um I thought I mean to me I think it kind of detracted from it, but I don't want to sound like a snob or anything. But um, you know, it's it's cool to go to New Haven and see these places that I mean some of these 
been there for 50, 60 years, you know, in the same buildings and, you know, in the same places in the same, same kind of crappy, you know, decor and stuff, you know what I mean? They're not, <laughs> they're not, they're not luxurious places, but they're, you know, they're the, as far as I'm la creme for, for pizza definitely is New Haven. So that's awesome. That sounds, that sounds like my kind of, my kind of trip. Just go around eating pizzas. That's a, that sounds like a really good time. If you went to those three places, you would have a very, what pizza should be in my opinion. So I'll, I'll be a little uppity New Englander here about pizza, I guess, but that's, that's as far as I'm going to go. I won't disparage anybody else's pizza, I guess, but you know, <laughs> all right, man. Well, thanks for coming on. I really had a great time. This was a, this has been a really, a really great talk. And I uh, didn't know if you want to plug anything real quick before we sign off. Um, yeah, I mean, I have all the normal socials, you know, I have face Facebook and Instagram. I tend to post mostly on my Instagram. I like Instagram a lot more than Facebook. I feel like, and I feel like everybody says that, but it's, um, it's just nice to just post stuff. And I post things here and there outside of pedal and guitar stuff. You know, like I said, I, I wake up early and, um, work out. I, I like, I, I kind of take my health and fitness to a little bit. I don't try and overdo it with that stuff, but you know, I'm a nerd. So I kind of tend to nerd out on the things I enjoy. And, um, uh, but yeah, I, so my Instagram is, uh, at PLX under and, um, you know, if you just Google PLX effects, all the stuff comes up and then my website is just www.plx hyphen effects.com. Uh, because unfortunately there's some Chinese manufacturer of something that has, so it's plx hyphen fx but um yeah i mean that's it just check out my websites check out my pedals if anybody has any questions feel free to email me it's paul at plx hyphen effects.com um you know and i'm on instagram and stuff and i always respond pretty easy to get a hold of i'm in your i'm in the tone mob um facebook group too so if anybody has any questions feel free to email me or ask away you know what i mean so sounds good man uh, thank you again for coming on and uh, for Paul this is Blake and as always folks good luck and good tones there you go everybody I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did I truly enjoyed talking to Paul and I feel like we could have went all day and as a matter of fact we did do some more if you're interested in more of this conversation or conversations like it, you can slide over to patreon.com slash tonemob, and we've got, like, what, almost 40 episodes or so of additional Tone Mob content just for the Patreon subscribers. A lot of it is extended interviews. Some of it is Jess and I and, and other friends hanging out in the shred shed shooting the breeze. I mean, we've got, we've got all kinds of goodies in there for you, so if you want it, it's just $5 a month. It gets you all the extra bonus content, and there are some other levels that get you some other things as well. So if you go over there and check that out, I think you might find something that works for you, and it also helps keep the show going and help everybody just, you know, keep on keeping on. So I really appreciate it. Really appreciate you taking the time to tune in. I know there's a lot of stuff you could be listening to right now, and you chose this one. That is definitely not lost on me, and I really, really appreciate it. And if you could just share this with, with one friend co-worker, tone junkie, guy at a guitar store, whoever you might know that, that might be interested in, in this guitar-based nonsense, uh, if you could share it with them, I think that would be amazing. 
Anyway, I've got some great guests lined up. I think you guys are really going to enjoy what I have cooking. Uh, got some really tough to get people that that are very interested. So hopefully we can make that happen. I don't want to make any promises just yet, but I uh, I'm, I'm working on some stuff for you. So without further ado, I guess you probably have another podcast to listen to or something. So I will talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company. And I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things. And by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style. Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gun Street harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunStreetWiringShop.com and check them out.